out there in Tigerland. Welcome to another edition of Talking Tigs. I'm your host, Scott Gerard. Joined as always by Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. Uh, got some, uh, got a good positive pod to get into this time because LSU is uh, has found their baseball coach. If you haven't heard by now, and a few other things going on. We got the College World Series. I don't, uh, I don't even know what's going on with the College World Series right now. But we're going to talk about that. They're actually probably having first pitch right as we start this pod. Uh, then you know some other LSU news and notes. Just a bunch of lanyap type stuff. Uh, we'll get into for you. But before we do, uh, checking in with you guys, co-hosts, back together again in Baton Rouge. Uh, how'd your week go? Had a good week in uh, Dallas, like you said, back in Baton Rouge now. Uh, excited for pod number 99, rolling into triple digits. Mm-hmm. But like you said, baseball coach position has been filled from a somewhat unlikely source, I would say, from the beginning. But uh, <laughs> interested to, to break that down with y'all. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's good to be back again. Like you said, Daniel, 99. Uh, is that is this the Daniel Hunter podcast? I think it might be. Was or it Sam Montgomery. Sam Montgomery, that's a good one too. So, yeah, we're just uh, – this is kind of like the big enforcer at the end of the podcast. So, um, after that, we'll be on for we'll, – we won't be able to say that a, that a podcast is like a person – is a player's number after this. Well, actually, technically we can, because if you, if you ever, if you ever go to LSU, you know that you see these guys walking around with bat with the backpacks on, like they all, all the football team has the same backpack and they have their, like their number on it. But like, because people have multiple numbers, there's like, you know, what, 120 something people on the roster. And so yeah. like every, like more than one person will have the number 35. So if you're like the, the like lower on the totem pole 35, you'll end up with like number 115 on your tag. <laughs> so actually we could, we could probably find him 115 somewhere. Yeah. Well, we need some names so we can uh, give them a shout out with your <laughs> episode. Um, but uh, yeah, moving forward, man, uh, LSU finally has their coach. The, the search is over. The wait is over, which I think a lot of people were starting to think, oh my God, this, please don't drag this on for another few days because it's starting to look and feel bad. But LSU got their guy, and that is Jay Johnson, uh, nabbing him from Arizona. Uh, like you said, Daniel, it, it wasn't really like the first name that you know was on people's minds when, when we knew we were replacing Paul. Um, but I don't know. I feel like his name his name's kind of always been there, but it was it kind of did seem unlikely. But I, I don't know. I feel like everyone was just getting excited for who was in front of this. Uh, basically, coaches that you know, for all intents and purposes, maybe just didn't really want to leave. And I, I don't know. They uh, the guys that maybe did, like Bianco and Godwin, they interviewed, but they they weren't offered the job. But Jay Johnson was so. Um, I think he's, his track record speaks for itself. He's uh, he's known. I mean, he's taken his past team, the, the Wildcats, to two College World Series, and he's only been there what four? It's five years. Five, what was yeah, it? Two World Series in five years, including yeah. a final. Yeah, and um, he's just known as as putting out a teams that that can really hit. Like he mm-hmm. focuses on hitting, which is <laughs> exactly what we want to hear and see, especially considering who we got com- coming back next year. So uh, I- I'm excited about it. I don't know if it's as big of a splash for, you know, other Tiger faithfuls, but it's big enough for me. I don't think LSU is really going to miss with anyone uh, except maybe Pat Casey, but uh, I like it. What what say you, Tommy? I, th- I think that 
I don't want to be a downer on the move because there's a lot of stuff that we'll never know. A lot of the bat, the, you know, the behind the scenes and the, the quote inside baseball that you just, you know, we're not privy to, but I do think yeah. that fr- from an, from an onlooker, I, I feel like we, I think we swung and missed a couple times. And I think that bef- rather than waiting and I, I think LSU waited I don't now. I will say I will disagree with you, Scott. I think the Bianco thing was not. I don't think that was a real. I don't. I don't think we actually really wanted him, and I'm not really sure if he wanted to really leave Ole Miss. I think that. I think that there's enough connection between Skip Bertman, Maneri, Drew Bianco, who plays here, Woodward, all those people run in the same circles. I think it was a courtesy kind of thing, and I think clearly it helped Bianco because he comes back to Ole Miss. And before he even said, before like the the ink is, you know, the ink is dry on the press release saying it's not going to be Bianco to LSU, he's got a new contract for way more at Ole Miss and he's, you know, ready to, to take them on to greatness again. So, and of course, this was after the news that uh, leaked about Ole Miss saying, hey, if you interview for LSU, you're not coming back. And I, I've heard that from a couple of places. So I think that this was a, a, uh, a strategic move for both for, and I think it paid off for LSU and for, for Mike, because uh, for him, you go out there, you show interest. Hey, there's interest in me outside of this program. So if you really want to keep me, if you like what's going on here, you get me a, you know, let's, let's sign a deal. And then for LSU, it shows, Hey, like we're, we're uh, trying to replace this coach and we've got a really good coach interviewing right now. So, you know, Hey, other coaches it shows interest in the program. It shows the program's not, um, you know, a, a dying programmer that there that there are quality names that you want to be associated with when you're in the in the running for this job. Uh, it's similar to what I mean. Les Miles did the same thing, except for he did it to us. He went and interviewed for Arkansas while he was at LSU. I was going to mention that he kind yeah, of exactly right. That. And, and that's you know what Levita did. He called him. He brought him back in and gave him the huge contract. <laughs> so I, I don't. I didn't think the Bianco thing, and especially as as more and more of it unfolded, I didn't think it was a. I don't think it was really a. Like I don't consider that a miss for us. I don't think we were really going to hire him. It didn't seem like it made sense to me. Now the the I think Corbin. I think that was a real a real possibility. I don't know how much of a possibility. I think it was real though, and I think Vitello was a very real possibility. And I think we probably missed on him, and maybe for the better because. If you've watched, you know, you watch him coach, he's a hothead and, you know, he, he's, he's that maybe that, maybe that uh, wouldn't pan out well. We'll have to see kind of how his longevity goes. And is he going to, is he going to take Tennessee on to the great, to the future and make them the new powerhouse? Or is it just going to be a fleeting moment where he's a, he's a top coach, but I think we did miss on him. I don't think Jay Johnson was our first, second choice. Um, right. Now that being said, and I talked, Daniel. I think we talked about this. I don't consider this to be a a total miss in the because I just don't know enough about college base. Like I can't, I can great. I can, I know, I know the top college baseball coaches. I know who we kind of wanted to aim for. This is a guy who's taken team, like you said, Scott, multiple teams to, to college world series in the past couple of years. That's the that's the caliber we want to be aiming for. So I think he's definitely up there. I and I hesitate to say like oh it's a huge miss what well, we just missed it because in my view this is not the same as if like we tried to hire Urban Meyer and and you know Dabo Sweeney missed on both of them and ended up with Will Muschamp or something like that you know what I mean so I, I'm I'm excited but I also I don't think that this was our I don't 
I'm not going to buy if, if Woodward or whoever goes out and says, yeah, this is the guy we wanted from day one, and this is what we were going after, and we're so happy to have him. Yeah, I, I think what you're kind of looking forward to say is like, it's not like we were settling for somebody, really, but it wasn't like the number one or maybe it's even like a two. tiny settle. Yeah, it's like so a mini set. It's not like the disastrous thing where you're like, who in the world is this guy at the yeah. end? Um, like Les Miles. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's good. But like you said, um, just the whole, not circus, but process of being like this guy, then is this guy, then is this one over and over was so strange, kind of. You almost, and then people are leaking these things. Some people think that LSU or someone is like leaking these intentionally just to kind of test the waters and see what the the fan reaction is and the coach's reaction as well. Like, Oh, like I'm the number one candidate or whatever. And then they kind of move on or, or see how their respective schools react. But yeah, like, like you were mentioning at the beginning, Scott, Jay Johnson with his hitting record is something that LSU will need considering we saw the pain at some points late in the season where the top half of our roster was pretty solid. Yeah. But when you got down to like six, seven, eight, nine, it was almost automatic outs. They were basically batting like under 100. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and you know what, that's something that that's something to watch for. It lets this will, that will be the true test of how, of how great of a coach Jay Johnson is, how much of an upgrade we're going to have because he coached the team this year at, at Arizona that, and I, I saw the stat. I I think I guess it's right. I saw it. I where every single person was batting over 300, one through nine. Did you see uh, that, Scott? Well, they were. Uh, yeah, no, I thought it was. I didn't think it was that high. I think everyone there was like like six batting. Uh, they were like top five in the country, like in team batting average. Like they were number one in the country in total hits. Yeah. Uh, like pretty much every category except home runs, which like we were better than them. They were better than us in every other category. I mean, yeah. And, like, so at the very top. So like, if that's something that like, that should be an instant, whatever he's doing now, uh, you could also say maybe it's the way he recruits and that's fine. Um, he can, you know, it, maybe it takes him a year or two to bring it, bring one, bring a class. Like he likes to recruit hitting wise in, but if you put the ball in play in it, it I remember Dana, we for, and, and Scott, I think I said this on the podcast, when we first started watching uh, college baseball, um, you know, when the, when the season started, I, I said, it's amazing how, uh, how when you watch enough college baseball, you realize the gap between college baseball and like pro baseball. So think about how many games, even games just last week in the college world series were decided, were decided on wild pitch pass balls. Right, you do not see that in World Series. If you saw that in Game Six World Series, people still talk about what? What is it? Bill Buckner, the guy from the Mets who let the ball went between his legs. Went between yeah, his legs. Awesome. Like people still talk about that because it's so rare. And or like we the just, Bartman thing with the Cubs. <laughs> exactly. Like, and that's not even really an error. That's yeah. just like a strange thing. So, like that the the amount of if we can just get I we just didn't put the ball in play enough this year. We had people striking out and not being and and make you know just not being able to get on base. So having a guy who could if he can bring in that bat if we suddenly go from a team whose bottom half of the order is batting like an average of one fifty three and we take that to two fifty three, we're winning probably like fifteen more games. <laughs> yeah, totally. I wanted to I wanted to go back to um just kind of the general coaching hire at this point because. Up until then, Scott Woodward had made, what, two major coaching hires since he'd been at LSU, which were Bo Pelini and Kim Mulkey, I would say. And Bo Well, Pol do you count the, the replacements for those? 
well like yeah i guess so um but but i think you're I think in terms of like name name recognition yeah, yeah. it's like Bo Pelini was the first one that was a big, big like flop. big yeah big flop and big homer pick yep. yeah, like him and kim mulkey as well both had pretty strong ties to lsu um and it's an just, easy it's an easy pick to make right and so in my opinion bianca was that guy mm-hmm. for this uh search like he's got the the relationship back to lsu and so if he continued his trend there then at that point you've kind of established some sort of precedent he, he moved away from that a little bit with like the the Pete's. yeah with Pete's and uh durante jones um but then yeah jay johnson is kind of the guy out of left field a little bit literally from the left from the west coast yeah, yeah. um and so that kind of shows that he's willing to to make a move to not just kind of satisfy the the old boys club or whatever and we'll see how that works out obviously Bo Pelini did not Kim Mulkey is TBD but you got to imagine that's at least going to be decent I I Um, think I honestly I think the Kim Mulkey hire is already a success just in like the PR of it mm -hmm. like I I don't know if it was anybody here just like super I don't remember any of us be and I don't remember anyone out there just being so hyped up about Bo Pelini coming back I remember us being like okay like cool like maybe maybe he'll be good maybe he'll like okay i hope he can do something but like i don't like the amount of hype around him was not even not even 10 percent nah no, at, at best we thought all right um i at best he's gonna at least maintain what he had before he won't be a bust it's like maintain maintain yeah maintain what he had like with 07 yeah that or i was gonna say like you know, maybe he could. There were a few things he could have improved on from Miranda, but if he kept things the way they were in nineteen, I think everybody would have been happy. So, yeah. like, uh, we thought he was a safe bet. He turned out not to be, but you know what? They moved on within a year, and and so be it. Scott Weaver was also not afraid to, uh, you know, cut bait and and. Oh yeah, that's true. That's now that Daniel, I think you bring up a good point about Scott Weaver going to the West Coast. How much of that? I wonder, you know, I wonder how much experience he has with Jay Johnson or or not maybe more knowledge he has of him as a coach and as a person from his time at Washington competing with him in the Pac-12. Um, you know, but he might know stuff like for all we know, he might know something about him that's like, you know what, this guy's 10,000 times better than Vitello ever, you know, he fits LSU way better. He fit he maybe he fits LSU better than Corbin does. You know, it might have maybe deep down it was like a, you know, actually, this is the guy I want as I'm Scott Woodward. Yeah, I thought about that because, you know, in, in today's recruiting world, it's like people are following private jet charters, you know, and just looking at tail numbers and like, oh, that plane's going to Omaha. And we're thinking, oh, who's he going after? Uh, Corbin? Is he going after? It's going to be Vitello, right? It's got to be Vitello. And then, you know, there's, but, you know, Jay Johnson was there too at that time. Mm-hmm. And he had, he had already finished, I think. So, People weren't even thinking about Jay Johnson, but maybe like you said, maybe Scott Woodward was, and like that was one of his intentions all the time. And, you know, it, was, it could have been a nice little sleight of hand. Uh, I thought putting the cat Pat Casey name out there was the, you know, administration trying to test the waters with the, with the crowds, uh, which, you know, it didn't, it went over like Greg Schiano did uh, <laughs> trying to go to Tennessee. Uh, but I, that was what my, take on that was uh but i don't know if they're really considering maybe maybe they were because he was willing to come out of retirement for that which you would think I, you know i bet the guy still got it. he can still relate but it wasn't it wasn't going to work with the fans so there you go uh, i will say this though um it was kind of cool to see paul maneri 
showing him around. And then there was a picture of him and Skip Burton and Paul in the dugout. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. You know, like three Skip Burton is towering over them. Did you notice that? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't realize that, but he's huge. Uh, But I mean, he's already paid dividends if you want to look at it this way. Uh, Cause right after he, uh, you know, it was made public and official that he was coming to LSU. (laughs) One of his commits to Arizona flipped uh, and he's decided to commit to LSU. Mikey Romero, uh, he was a shortstop. Uh, so there you go. Uh, Jay Johnson's already bringing recruits with him. So nice. Well, he says that uh, his his quote on on what he wants to bring to LSU is quote recruiting development win. Yeah, I mean he's yeah. done that at Arizona. Who, at least in my mind, you wouldn't think of as like the traditional power. Mm-hmm. But I think he's had top ten recruiting classes like every year he's been there and some top five. So if he can kind of unlock that California, I mean like Jordan Thompson last year was in California. And I think one or two other players, maybe that I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for college baseball, at least I'm no expert in the recruiting, but you think of the hotbed is kind of the Southeast um, West coast. And then but and, coast is and, big though. And the West coast. Yeah. So yeah. California kind of, uh, some, kind of similar to football. Right. But um, cause we've got the, the Southeastern presence. And then if you have that connection over there, then all the talent in the country is hopefully at your fingertips. It's true. And, and also it's got, you know, you're right. Like he's been at, yeah, Daniel, like he's been in Arizona, which has had a really good run with him, but they're not the, they're not a huge name in college baseball, college baseball. I think LSU is now. I do think that, I think that this hiring process it, it it is a it is a good gauge of what LSU means to the sport. Um, I and I, and you know we did get a guy who maybe I'm like talking my way into actually thinking this is a great hire. I don't know, but we did get a guy who's been to the College World Series multiple times. But I do think that I feel like we did miss a few times. So LSU might be might be at a at a waning point as far as like what the perception is of like is this the Yankees or the Yankees calling right um that being said when you give this guy the keys to this Ferrari you say like okay like you've recruited top 10 classes at Arizona now go sell LSU I think it's got to be a much better a much better um or much easier thing to do and I feel like I'm, I'm anxious to see what he can do with it I mean, the, I think the number one key for him, as opposed to, uh, uh, you know, in addition to the, to the hitting we've talked about, we got to get some, we got to get some pitchers, some relievers to be to like, you know, specifically, yeah. we yeah. got to get hard throwing relievers who can compete with the guys who are going to play tonight for Mississippi state who Paul Maneri said, I don't even know where they find these guys. Um, what's it? Is it cops? Is that the guy? Yeah, Kevin Cops yeah. from Arkansas was like shut down. Yeah, like number one player in the country. Yeah, I mean, like you know, that like that guy, like he or just, Jack or Jack Leiter or Kumar Rocker. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had now we had our you know we had our Jaden Hill. We did, um, but I know, but like you, you know, I want I want all those guys, and I, maybe Jay Johnson can bring them. Yeah, um, I know you guys have seen seen the news about uh, the College World Series, right? Uh, NC state being sent home and because of COVID protocol and, uh, you know, they had a mini outbreak on their, on their team and, and all that. Um, and actually Vanderbilt and Mississippi state are probably playing right now. And I think Mississippi states, you know, they just, they can't came back a few times. They look really good. I feel like it's on their side, but then again, it's like, how do you, I don't know how you go against Vandy, especially now that, you know, the one team that was giving them trouble, 
you know, like was going with them toe to toe, just got removed by the NCAA. And I don't know if that's ever happened before. Mm-hmm. I think it's totally crazy. When I first saw that they were moving them for, for COVID, I was thinking, oh, well, maybe there's just like an outbreak on the team. And A, they don't want to look bad if it turns into more. Or B, Arizona's just going to be short players. Like, I thought that's what was happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you see, um, well, they made that decision with the the county that uh, Omaha resides in, like some, you know, some health professionals there. They made that decision along with them, and supposedly. But it turns out that that county was just giving them advice and said, we think that they can play, but we will back your decision. Yeah, the, yeah they, they came out later. They tried, the NCAA tried to pin it on the county and be like, well, we're just doing what the pre- professionals told us to do. And the county <laughs> was like, oh, no, we told them they could play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, so you'll go with our decisions. All right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry. Sorry, guys. Uh, just, you know, safety. Back it up. Go home. What's going for it? Yeah, just, uh, it's just crazy. Now, speaking of, you know, uh, conspiracies, like I heard like one of the doctors that was on like this committee either with the county or with just the ncaa committee that would help decide these things is from vanderbilt so go figure i you know take that and run with it if you want to but I, i'm just i'm just tossing it out there because it's it's true and it's just like i i, I have to know from the ncaa because they've they've been plowing for forward you know without any regard of what what they just did it's like the next day you know when there was a game you're like hey look we got twenty six thousand. they said they said it was like a a record yeah that was kind of a pretty poor taste like literally they flexed it on twitter about twenty thousand plus in the park after they had sent like 10 people home (laughs) testing positive well also didn't didn't like uh nc state play like the final game that they played with like 14 guys yeah like so the game before they got canceled they yeah i think they had 14 out so like they had about that many left. Yeah, had, I think they had nine position players and like four pitchers, and then they they still. And so like you can't even just let this this poor skeleton crew like like just just finish it out because you know like on that like they're not gonna win with fourteen people or thirteen people. But well, yeah, yeah. Or, or you know think about it. It's like if if it is like if it if they went forward and more guys tested positive and it was only like nine guys, like you could play. Yeah, but I don't know how safe that would be for the pitcher, but. If you asked Arizona and Vanderbilt, their respective fan bases, or heck, hell, all of College World Series fandom, if they wanted this game to go on, they would say yes. The only one that didn't want this game to go on was the NCAA. And unfortunately, that's all that mattered. I, I don't know. If I was the NC State coach, I, I think I would appeal. It's like if, if you can appeal uh, a suspension or if you can appeal other things, how can you not appeal that decision? You know? They were kind of like not the team of destiny, but they were on a roll. They weren't nationally ranked going in. They beat Louisiana Tech actually Louisiana Tech, yeah. in the Russell Regional. They took down the number one team in the country, Arkansas, mm-hmm. in the Super Regional, and they were rolling through. They did lose the one game to Vanderbilt uh, in the double elimination, but they had all the makings of uh, making the final on that set. Would have been a great story for them. And to get it shut down at literally the the doorstep is uh, got to be heartbreaking. Yeah. Now, Scott, you know, you you mentioned a conspiracy theory, which I actually I totally believe that. I mean, I I would I would not be surprised if that doctor's from Vanderbilt, just because Vanderbilt has like the top medical school in the country, right? Like they yeah. put out a lot of doctors. Um, but the other thing that I've heard is that Corbin has been pushing like testing 
like a ton at like that he like he was all about like get them all tested like we need to get everybody tested and that basically he was just trying to test and test and test until somebody came positive so that way he could like use that to his advantage which i kind of wouldn't be surprised when you've got some you know when all these coaches have incentives on the line and like hey like if you make the final you get this much money and like all that kind of thing i think that could be a, a you know like and i mean i don't i'm not i don't think that's necessarily right but I also can kind of see where, like, that's something that, like, a Bill Belichick would do. He'd be like, okay, like, if testing is, if you test positive, that's going to disqualify you. We need to, we need to push to make sure that, sure. that my team never tests positive and that we need to test, we need to test and test and test. Cause eventually, I mean, false positives happen. We've seen that happen throughout sure. the, this whole COVID stuff. And then some more weird things was that like Anthony Fauci like delivered the commencement address at Vanderbilt and was wearing a Vanderbilt baseball jersey. So that picture of him was going around. Yeah, that clown. Look at him. Look at his face when he's when he's wearing the Vanderbilt jersey. And he does. He looks like he's never worn a jersey in his life. He's very confused. And then besides the the twenty thousand fans tweet, another weird thing was that the, this was announced at like two in the morning. Like the, the College World Series tweeted out at literally like one forty seven a.m. Um, and so I don't know why they're like, all right, now's the time to like drop this. I don't know if they was thought that they after could... they're like, weren't they like in a rain delay and then it like went late? Like didn't they didn't they like not start till like nine p.m. that night? Maybe uh, so, but it was just weird that oh, they were trying to like almost sneak it under the rug. Yeah, they. You're right. They they were in a rain delay. I think you mean Texas and uh, was it that first Mississippi State game? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I mean, you would think though that that's that would be unrelated to the decision. Uh, but it's, it's like, it, it, there's just so many things that are still unanswered and it's just moving forward. Now, I don't know what, you know, I, I heard all of Vanderbilt was vaccinated. That's why, you know, it wasn't an issue for them. And, you know, they, they can't really make kids get vaccinated. It's unfortunate, but I don't know, as a coach, like, would you say, all right, well, guys, I don't know how you feel about it. I have my beliefs. You probably have yours, but the way this is going, you know, it's like if we get caught up with this and there's a breakout on the team, you know, that, that might end our season wherever we're at at that point. But, you know, how do you guys feel? Or would you say, guys, if we get vaccinated, maybe we don't have to worry about this all the way to Omaha. Although the report was that some of the players who tested positive had been, vaccinated, va- had been vaccinated, right. so yeah. it didn't even stop it anyway, uh, which is, is just weird. I feel like it, the only – I think the only – I could t- – I could – I would buy – if it was going to be such a big deal, of course, who could predict that this would happen though? Like, right. You can't predict all this it. Time, like, all this time. And there wasn't an outbreak. And then yeah. all this time, right at the- but I would say that like, maybe, maybe when going to Omaha, I could see like, like the, you know, a couple of days before or whatever, the coach being like, Hey, like, all right. You know, maybe that's something they should, they should talk about. Like, let's all, let's all make sure we're all good. Cause we don't want to be, we don't want this to happen. But then again, you know, probably this is not going to happen next year so like i don't think anybody the vaccine is not gonna be i don't think the vaccine is going to be a big deal next year and so like and last year there was no there was no thing nothing last year so you can't really have predicted and be like oh we need to be sure it's not like the ncaa said everyone must needs must get vaccinated if you don't like and we find out you're going to be sent home you know what i mean yeah yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just bizarre. I mean, it's it's not the first time in sports. Like there was a guy in the NHL finals that got had to sit out uh, that got that tested positive. Uh, or like John Rahm in the uh, 
golf tournament when like he was about to win the <clears> golf like on the last round in the middle of the round they're like you tested positive like go home pretty much <laughs> right so it's that's why i don't feel like it's some vast conspiracy i just feel like the way the ncaa handle it well they, they could well, handle it like they handle everything <laughs> yeah it's like they just love to shoot themselves in the foot and discredit their organization anyway um moving on uh because i don't know we could probably check this score uh if there is one up at this point but uh as we move on um lsu basketball they had some some news this week now they i'll, I'll start with the positive how about that uh, the lsu's uh a transfer guard uh, from Illinois, um, Adam Miller. He just qualified for the under-19 USA men's uh, World Cup team, uh, which is awesome. Uh, I, I would think, you know, in addition to playing with the Olympics, that's probably the biggest honor you could get at this point. You know, as a college player, you get to represent your country versus the world. I don't know where they're going to be going, but, I mean, that's, that's a pretty high honor. Um, but, of course, you know, uh, with that means there's also some uh, – oh, we'll, we'll, we'll continue with the positive. Um, LSU has also announced that they will be competing in the uh, Emerald Cup – excuse me, the Emerald Coast Classic later this year, uh, November actually, right around Thanksgiving uh, in Florida. And that's uh, it's a small tournament, you know, one of those preseason invitational-type tournaments. Uh, it's basically starting in the semifinals. They're going to play Penn State. Uh, and then they also are – participating in the big 12 sec challenge in texas they're going to start with tcu in january 29th so you know some good marquee games for the tigers i mean you know if if lsu is going to be as good as we hope they will be under will wade's continued guidance then you know it's like games like this where you're going to be playing you know some better quality teams i, I think it'll help him you know should they be on the bubble again come tournament selection time so you know, all that's pretty good news, right? Um, of course, yeah, the downside yeah. is is they had a couple of guys enter the transfer portal. Uh, Josh LeBanc and Seneca Knight, who actually both transferred in. So, I don't know. Uh, that's the, I guess Seneca Knight, maybe, because he didn't play a game last year. But, like, Josh LeBanc played in 25 games. So, what – I don't know. What do you think? Is, is this more like Will Wade telling people, hey uh, – if you got opportunity elsewhere, you may want to check it out. Or is it something else? Well, uh, I've got a rumor for you, which is that some people think Darius Days is staying at LSU for next year. Oh, really? Yeah, and coming back. Um, because he, is he going to do the thing where you enter the draft, see where you are, and then come back? I think so. And yeah. then the basis for this is that he was probably not going to go very highly in the draft in the first place. True. And like these other guys are transferring away who play somewhat similar roles to him. So he'll be like the only leader coming back. And the rumor is that it will be announced tomorrow on Tuesday. Ooh. So by the time this pot is out, it may or may not have happened. Uh, but so that would definitely bolster and bring kind of some senior leadership back to a team of almost all transfers. So kind of, so it's kind of just like, even though you won't hear it here, you won't hear it here first. You kind of did hear it here first. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. Kind of like you saying, uh, Maneri was going to retire at the end of the season. That, that kind of happened. It kind of did happen. Yeah. What can I say? Right? Uh, you could say I was right. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's not really a big deal. 
because uh, like I said, Seneca Knight never played. I just I just feel like it's interesting though, because you know we have all these guys potentially leaving. I guess except for possibly Darius Days. So you would think there would be some you know things would be starting over. Everything starting from scratch. You know you work your butt off in the off season and uh, you know you see where you're at in the preseason. Uh, but I don't know to lose two guys in the same week. I don't know. It's like what's going on there. Well, we've we've added a ton of talent in the from the transfer portal and then also in in this upcoming class. So maybe um it there's that squeeze you know there's a lot of there with between the the covid year um uh the covid year scholarship thing where you can eligibility where you can stay longer you know a guy like josh leblanc who you said did train he transferred in from german uh from uh georgetown um he might say, you know what? I don't think I have a, I don't think I'm going to, he like, it might be the thing where he's like last year, he was basically like the seventh man. Like he didn't start, he came off the bench, but I don't think he was the first guy off the bench. Right. I could see where he'd say, you know, I'm kind of going to have the same role this year and I've got, but if I leave now I can get, I got that eligibility back. So maybe, maybe that's a thing for him. Or maybe LSU just doesn't have a strong, uh, major in whatever he's looking to study. No, I'm just kidding. That's uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe the, uh, yeah, maybe that he, he got into a prestigious uh, program at, at, at a different right. school. Right. I don't know. Maybe he wants to be a dentist. Who knows? Uh, but anyway, I wish them well. No, like you know, Ernie the elf. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, pre- some, some pretty good news for, from basketball for the most part. Uh, I mean, football-wise, again, that's that's kind of a different story. Uh, LSU also had a transfer name uh, appearance, and that would be Dari Rosenthal, starting left tackle. Uh, I think this is a slightly more puzzling to me than you know the basketball because you know he was like I said, he's starting left tackle. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. If, I don't know. Maybe Daniel has a rumor for that one too. Uh, but the only thing I can think of is. I, I don't know. Um, well, maybe he didn't it, like the new offensive line coach that just got there. Well, it's know. almost not even as much of a rumor as it is more of a, a fact that he was dismissed for team rules violations. He had missed a couple of games last season because of that. Not ever really specified what, um, but it seems it's happened again. And most people suspect it's um, due to some illegal substance abuse, maybe not abuse, but use. <laughs> and uh, so that's unfortunate that he's going um, because now we need even more people to step up on the offensive line. There was already a soft spot uh, for well, it was a veteran returning offensive line though. Yeah. Um, but that's tough. And then the, the rumor is that he's going to Kentucky and he's going to play immediately, mm. uh, which is kind of strange that you can, can you get dismissed. Sorry. Smoke in Kentucky. Yeah. Well, it, that's what people were saying. It's like, it's weird that you can get dismissed for like a drug violation or something at one team and then go straight to another sec team and be eligible immediately. Well, if um, it's a violation of team rules. Though. Yeah, exactly. It's not like uh, some overarching. Yeah. To the Kentucky's like, dude, we don't care. Come over here. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> I'll roll one up. There, there is something amazing, and I don't know. I've talked to numerous people within who are close to the program, in the program, around the program, uh, and other prepositions about the program, um, who have said that, who've just talked about how how burdensome our uh, compliance department is. And I do wonder, you know, we've had these these violations of team rules come up a lot, 
Um, whether it's and and whether whether you think about way back to uh, Tyron Matthew, and of course that was like the famous example of okay, like he he failed this drug test, failed the next drug test, da da da. He talks about it openly. Now that being said, and and I mean I'm glad you know he he almost just has turned it into a positive where it's like I, I learned I need to clean up my life and kind of get back and get focused on football. And of course now he's basically I mean I think many people would agree he's a Hall of Famer. He'll he will go to Canton, Ohio one day. Um, but I think and I mean, he was a Heisman Trophy finalist, all of that. Yeah, I think that uh, the question is. Uh, when, but then you, when you look at the track record of how many people end up getting dismissed or suspended or both for the quote, violation of team rules, is that really a team rule or is this a compliance rule? And is this something where the, the, the issue that I heard from a close source about Tyron and the reason that Tyron Matthew was, was straight up kicked off the team with like, and nobody, it, like the day before, almost the day before the season started, it was a huge deal. The reason that that happened was because basically Les Miles wouldn't play ball with the compliance department and give them the few, the small victories they wanted. So we'll say if you remember, um, who was it? Who uh, who was it who got like the? I guess Rosenthal, and then I feel like there were some other people who who recently Divinity. Well, Divinity uh, Divinity was more of like a, a big one, but I, I'm trying to think of. I feel like there was one where he got suspended for a couple games because of team rules. Anyways, um, wasn't it Peter Parrish? Didn't he get before he got kicked off the team? Yeah. I think he did. So from what I've heard is that when Les Miles, I do, I do remember this. This never happened. Like the small little suspensions, like the consistent violation of team rules here and there didn't happen when Les Miles was coach. And I think that what happened, what, what I've heard is that there was an internal battle between Les Miles, basically just ignoring compliance. And they would say, this person failed this test. You need to suspend them. He just wouldn't do it. And so then when they got the dirt they needed, they popped the best player on the team, Tyron Matthew. And they basically forced Miles' hand and said, you either have to kick him off the team or, you know, we're going to do whatever they're going to do. And so I think that's a huge weak spot for LSU. It's been a weak spot for years. We have com- their com- every other compliance department in the NCAA works with the team, works to help the team and keep the team – out of trouble with the NCAA, but also doesn't try to sabotage them. And there, from I've heard so many, so many stories from inside LSU, both about compliance, but about just other departments. That in that in that athletic department right now, there are a lot of people working for their own benefit, working for their own glory, advancing themselves, and they're not doing it for the program. And it's and it's sabotaging LSU. It's mm. crazy. Because you hear, like, why why would they go out of their way to get rid of Tyron Matthew? And then years later, just allow Darius guys to continue walking. If if everything that was alleged about that, which is kind of what's bringing down Coach O, uh, you know, if, if he was allowed to, to finish out his career in his own terms, you know, just they, they're just inconsistent. Unless he's going to be facing. Well, that, it's, that's, that's when you know it's not about doing the right thing. Right. They would tell you like, oh, well, we just turned in Tyron Matthew because he failed the, he failed his third drug test and we got to let him go. You know, we got to turn him in. But that's no. Like everyone knows in the Hush Blackwell and all this stuff has been – we've all known that Darius Geis was a bad guy <laughs> on campus. Like he was, he was not doing – he was doing unsavory things. And like you said, nothing happened to him. He, he completed what? Did he, did he complete four years or just three? 
three, three. Yeah, and, and he was a star and everybody, everything was great. He yeah. never really heard anything. So like, yeah, why does he get to, why does he get to play and, and not get kicked off and everything? Yeah. And yet Tyron Matthew, you know, who, who I have heard, I, I know from, from not firsthand experience, but from every single person I've met. And I know a lot of people who, who have met him, know him, all this, all that stuff. He's like the best guy ever. Yeah. He had a drug problem in, in college, but yeah. he, other than that, I mean, and he's learned from it. I mean, you can just watch him now, but he's like the best guy. And- yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so funny that you put it that way. He, he had a drug problem. It's like, uh, you know, if he's talking to his grandkids, yeah, I got kicked out of school for what? Uh, smoking weed. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing is like, compared to. Oh, that's crazy. Go ahead. I mean, well, you know, yeah. Like now I, I think, I think he actually has it, you know, he has admitted it was a problem. Like it was, you know, he was, he was not just like, Oh, I went to a party one time. Um, that yeah. being, but that being said, like the, the, I, I think they're, if we, if they were kicking people out of LSU for smoking weed, there'd be no people at LSU. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, you I'm can just walk to... around. I took my dog on a walk today and I smelled it while I was walking around, walking around campus. So wow. around Baton Rouge. Yeah. Yeah. Baton Rouge. <sighs> uh, well, anyway, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I forget what we, what we were even talking about before we started talking about. It, uh, it went from the Dare Rosenthal. Oh, to, Dare, yeah, Dare Rosenthal down, being down kicked path. off or, or and or. But I think, yeah, I think Tommy gave us a good breakdown on that. Yeah. yeah. Well. So, bye-bye, Dare. Yeah. Uh, sorry, buddy. Uh, good luck. Um, maybe, maybe we can play for the Chiefs one day. Who knows? I do, wa- I do wonder about that, that hole that, that he's going to leave. Um, Literally. But, literally yes literally but also just that like the like you said daniel that the offensive line was a was a weak spot for us last year but the, but it was a bright spot looking forward in that hey we're going to get all five guys back and you know now we're down to four um i i do wonder i i gosh i hope somebody's developed in that out of those freshmen and sophomores that we've yeah. had on that team well at least the good news is it's happening now uh yeah. instead of like honey badger like a week before everything starts, you know, they got time to, well, it's, it's going to be a crash course basically, but they have time to groom someone for game one. Well, let's hope that they've actually been, that they've been doing that the whole time. I, I I hope that that the offensive line development is probably has been our weakest point out of everything. I think probably even weaker than quarterback development. Yeah. Because we just can't, I mean, we'll get, if we'll get lucky and we'll get good guys who are just good offensive linemen. And then like, but we, I mean, where is Cardell Thomas? <laughs> That's a guy we've been tracking for, for two and a half years, this entire podcast. And he's, I don't think he's ever stepped on the field in an LSU uniform. <laughs> ah, yeah, it's puzzling. I don't know. I don't he was know. A five, was he a four star, five star, four star? I think a high four star, yeah. Yeah, he was, a, he was a high four star and he's never stepped on the field. Hey, maybe this fall. You'll get your wish. Uh, well, I, I don't want my wish if it's not going to be a good good result. <laughs> right. Um, well, anyway, uh, I mean, <laughs> I guess we'll just see. Uh, I don't know. I, I pretty much think we covered everything. Unless you guys had something else you wanted to get into. No? No, I think that was it. Nice week. Uh, we'll be back next one, triple digits. Yep. Hitting that 100 mark. Hell, yeah. 
the big hundo. Uh, hopefully, we could have something special for you guys. Uh, you know, if nothing else, in the way of uh, you know, some good news, uh, recruiting wise or, or other. Uh, I mean, I will I will say this though. It's um, uh, we had another tiger or two uh, qualify for the Olympics, and well, I gotta pull it up because he's. Oh my god! Can you guys hear that? I hear my daughter screaming in the background. No, I don't mm-hmm. hear it. Okay, good. Uh, what was the guy? The guy that does the high jump and Javon, Javon Harrison. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So, um, Javon Harrison, who has been uh, a high jump and long jump star this season, actually qualified for the Olympics in both, uh, coming in first. They call him just Mr. Jumps. Uh, for obvious reason, uh, his, his mom, I think, was a, a, a star as well uh, back in her day. Uh, but congrats to him because, I, I don't know, that's uh, that's kind of amazing. Yeah, apparently he's going to be the first one in the high jump and the long jump since the legendary Jim Thorpe in 1912. <laughs> <laughs> Before World War One. Yeah, so in 109 years. That is insane. Jim uh, Thorpe, what a man. <laughs> Right. Wish I could um, see his highlight film. Then people say he was like playing pro sports in like four different sports or something. I think I think he was like a five sport athlete or something. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, that's some good news. Hopefully, hopefully he'll pull in some some gold uh, along with Shikari Richardson. Along with Shikari Richardson, uh, who's going to be going to Tokyo as well. Um, but having said that, that'll pretty much do it for us here on Talking Tigs. I uh, hope everyone has a good week. Stay safe, stay tuned, and we'll talk to you next time on Talking Tigs for number 100. <laughs>